Mac Power Users, episode 579. 30 Mac apps under 30 bucks. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. I am joined today by Mr. Stephen Hackett. How are you today, Stephen? I'm good, David. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm doing okay. I got a little bit of an allergy thing going on, so I'm, I apologize for the way my voice sounds. I um, I did have like one of those nice puppy moments this morning because my dog is not a very affectionate dog. You know how some dogs like want to climb and sleep on you all the time? Yeah. My dog wants to sleep right next to you, but doesn't want to be on you. But I was dealing with these allergies this morning, and I I just couldn't take it. I just laid on the couch, and the dog came up and just laid in my lap and said, "Hey, buddy, yeah, I can tell you're having a hard time." Yeah, I knew you felt bad. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. But uh, here I am talking to Mac Power users with a little bit of a raspy voice. So sorry about that. Um, we have been wanting for a while to just kind of survey some Mac apps that aren't going to break the bank that we love and. We started making a list, and uh, as we developed the show, is it going to be 10 apps for 30 bucks? Well, no, it's 30 apps for 30 bucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, gang, uh, protect your wallet. We apologize in advance, but we got some great apps to talk about today. Yeah. Um, before we do, a couple of intro points. Yeah, I felt like you were watching me do my homework. Because, yes. Because I'm your feature you. from the Mac App Store has been back in circulation the last week or so. Yeah, that was weird, right? I don't. I, they don't tell me. It just shows up one day, and I start seeing tweets and things. Mm-hmm. Did I talk about the first time that ran uh, that whole experience? Did I already share that on the show? I can't remember. Yeah, where they like had clothes for you that fit. Yeah, and... it was so weird, man. <laughs> so weird. All of that stuff. The whole team showed up at my house. They had clothes that fit. I man, I I don't know. It was it was great. You know, I think everybody for one day in their life needs to be pampered like that, but just one. Mm-hmm. Honestly, just one. that's all I need. Yeah, it was, it was. When is the first time that ran? I want to say about a year and a half ago. It was before COVID. Yeah, but yeah, I I spent a lot of time in the Mac App Store the past week or so preparing for this episode, way more than I normally do. And every time I open, it's like, oh, David, what's up? <laughs> just yeah, I know. watching me. <laughs> I, know. I know. Well, I had the same experience because I was preparing for the show. My wife was in the next room watching TV. And a St. Jude commercial came on, and your voice came out of it. You're on the St. Jude commercial. So that's yeah. pretty cool. And Josiah, too. Josiah is much better looking than you are, by the it's way. True. He, he's so happy in his picture. But you do have the Saturn V rocket. So, gang, if you're if you're watching TV and a St. Jude commercial comes up, pay close attention. You may see a beloved podcaster. That's right. Yeah, it's funny. Anytime that is uh, aired, uh, and it's been... It was a lot. It was on a lot during the holidays and beginning of the year. And I think it's back now. But anytime it's on the air, I uh, I get texts and stuff from people like, "Oh, I saw you on ESPN." Like, oh, that's fun. I guess if you've got, um, if you are a fan of Hallmark Channel, I have a little quick piece of advice. We saw it on an app called Friendly. You know, after we cut the cord, my wife really likes Hallmark Channel movies, and uh, that's her like escape drug. But once we cut the cord, we didn't have Hallmark Channel anymore, but Friendly for like, I think it was like 50 bucks a year, you get all the Hallmark Channel you can take. That's where the commercial keeps showing up on for us. Cool. So if you uh, like, if you like Hallmark Channel, there's there's a quick tip for you. Um, one other thing before we start today, I just wanted to take a minute to pour one out for the iMac Pro. 
Um, we got the news this week that Apple is selling iMac Pro only now in the base configuration mm-hmm. while supplies last. And um, that means that, you know, it's going away, which, it, you know, we've talked about this. In fact, last week on More Power Users, we kind of talked about the future of the line, and we both kind of speculated that the the iMac is going to get a redesign, and it's going to be so good that the iMac Pro, there's really no space for it left between the iMac and the Mac Pro. Right. I mean, this isn't a surprise at all. I mean, I sold my iMac Pro a few months ago, but what was surprising for me was how sad it made me because I just really loved that computer. I've I've never been like sentimental about Apple canceling a line before, but this one really kind of got me in the feels. I think it was the best Intel iMac, or, or excuse me, I'll go further. The best Intel Mac ever sold. It was super powerful dead quiet, super reliable. I mean, I sold mine to upgrade to a Mac Pro, which was like a lifelong dream. And even I'm sad about this news. <laughs> it was so great. Yeah, it was a, a great man. I called the guy who who took my new, mine and and I told him, hey, you know, you got it just in time. He's like, yeah, I know. And he's, he, he, he saw it coming too. I mean, this isn't a surprise because the Apple Silicon iMacs are going to be amazing and they're going to be whisper quiet. And I feel like, you know, in effect, it's going to remain. The high-end iMac is going to be the iMac Pro, but it's probably not going to be called the iMac Pro. Um, the uh, But did, I had this like vague memory of for your prediction show on, um, on Connected. Didn't you say that they're going to replace the iMac Pro with an Apple Silicon iMac Pro this year? Did you say something I, like I, that? I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to tell. Who could know? I mean... Yeah, I have to go open I, that Google I, I Doc. I honestly don't remember, but I remember you saying something like that. I was thinking, "Oh, that's a mistake." Let's and, see what uh, I said. Uh, I'm pulling up the document. I said Apple has Apple Silicon versions of all of its Intel Macs on sale by the end of the year. Uh, I think we talked about the iMac Pro. Like, well, what if that one is still around? But clearly, <laughs> it's not going to be around. I yeah. think for for that exact reasoning that it just makes so much sense for the iMac just to take back over that spot. Because remember, the iMac Pro, what's important here is that it was going to be the only Pro desktop. Yeah, that it was, was going their to be plan. the end of the line. That was going to be the best one you could buy. And then they had that roundtable discussion. You know, uh, Gruber and Panzerino and some other people were there. And they said two things. They said, hey, there's a Pro version of the iMac that's coming. So that was the iMac Pro. And also, we are going to be building a Mac Pro again. And uh, and that came out, you know, about a year and a half after this meeting. So yeah, uh, it was going to be the high end. I'm glad that that's not the direction they went. But at the same time, the computer they made to fit that slot was really dang good. Yeah, it was. It was a great Mac. And uh, I would not recommend buying one because, you know, they're a limited quantity or whatever. I feel like the the Apple Silicon iMacs are going to be great. And mm-hmm. uh, although one thing I would say is the fact that they're shutting this down now, does that mean that the iMac is coming sooner than we expected? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, we could have yeah. an event in March and there's iMacs there. Who knows? Uh, I, I really would be surprised. I think we talked about this in more power users last week. I would be surprised if we're stuck waiting until WBDC to see new Apple Silicon Macs, but I just don't know. 
Well, either way, I, uh, I did find myself, um, surprisingly saddened by the news that I totally expected. So there you mm-hmm. have it. That, that was a great Mac. Um, I also, uh, on more power users today, I know you just finished an experiment with a 12 pro max phone. I'm curious to hear if you kept it or not, but we'll do that in more power users today. Sounds good. So, so today we wanted to getting back to Mac apps, you know, we wanted to make a list of Mac apps that are fun. There's no games on the list. A lot of it is productivity and utility heavy, but you know, the Mac has traditionally been the platform where software costs more. I mean, they kind of had that historical pricing position, whereas on the mobile devices, apps, you know, the the, the original pricing was, you know, 2 to $10. Uh, on the Mac, that's not true. I mean, Mac apps can cost a lot of money. So things are a little more expensive on the Mac, but, you know, there's a lot of great apps out there still in a very, you know, reasonable price range. And uh, we thought we'd talk about a few of them. Yeah, there were definitely several apps that would have made the cut if we capped it at 50. In fact, there were yeah. several that I was going to pick, but, you know, the rule was 30, which I think is a good place. Um, and yeah. there's still lots of options. We still have 30 apps here, and I think we could probably even push further if we wanted. Yeah, agreed. Um, there there were apps I was sad to leave off the list because of their pricing, but, hey, we made a deal with you. All apps today under 30 bucks. We did cheat a little bit, I would say, because we talked about some subscription apps. I tried to limit that, but there were a couple. Yeah, it's hard to avoid that. Yeah, but even those, the subscription is under $30. Um, so uh, you uh, you want to just start in on this? Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm going to start with a uh, with a, an MPU favorite, and that is the Mac version of Carrotweather. Yeah. Carrotweather just got a huge update on iOS and iPadOS to version 5. Carrotweather on the Mac is still using the older interface. You know, it still looks like Carrotweather 4 did, but that's totally fine. That app looked great. Uh, It's $14.99 to get in the door, and then it does have some subscription stuff if you um, want the, you know, more premium data. But the app itself is $14.99. And it does something that a lot of other apps do is that it puts the weather in your menu bar and you click on it and you get, you know, the, I think like the forecast hourly and then like the next 10 days. You also have a radar, which listeners know something that I, I love having, but because I already use carrot weather elsewhere, it's, it's just a natural fit for me. Yeah. I I bought the app when they first released it and it's been a mainstay in my menu bar because Mm -hmm. I think it's a great weather app. I do like having the weather in my menu bar and uh, you know, it's a good solution. One of the things I've done with carrot weather in the last 30 days, and I think you recommended this to me is I switched the source to Forca F O R E C A. Yeah. Um, And I have been getting remarkably better weather predictions with that source. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, it seems to be uh, it seems to be much more reliable than the Weather Channel or even um, Dark Sky that Apple had bought and is going to be shutting down at some point. Uh, I think in the next yeah. year or so, Dark Sky for me at least is still great. With hey, it's going to rain in six minutes, but their forecast for temperatures, at least where I live, is just all over the place. And uh, and so yeah yeah Forca or Forsa, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Has been um, has been great, and so I switched to it a while back on Carrot Weather and all of my devices, and have been really happy with that as the data. 
Now, I still use Dark Sky because you can supplement that and have Carrot Weather still bring in Dark Sky for the, again, it's going to rain in five minutes or whatever, but I don't rely on them for the the forecast data itself anymore. Yeah, it's it's been great. I, my experience with Dark Sky is it was under-reporting rain in Southern California, and I've got like things I need to cover and whatnot when it rains, and it just wasn't doing it where Forca has been like right on it. But mm-hmm. either way, uh, yeah, the uh, Dark Sky, they make an app for the Mac, and you should check it out. Um, another one that I would recommend, and they're now up to version three, is Solver, S-O-U-L-V-E-R. And it's it's like a scratch pad calculator. And this is one we've talked about on the show. A lot of these apps we're going to mention today have come up on the show some at some point during the 12 year run, you know, but the mm-hmm. um, but the uh, th- this is one that I don't use every day, but I use often. It's like halfway between a calculator and a spreadsheet app. And you can you know write in plain text in it, but it also does calculations. And whenever I need to like figure out how much I need to pay somebody or like when I was doing some work in the yard and I was figuring out square footage for different things I needed to buy soil for and whatnot. I just like the experience of using it so much more than a spreadsheet because I can be way more descriptive. I don't have to monkey around with the fields like you do in a spreadsheet to get good descriptions and I can print it out, save it. It syncs over the cloud. They've got versions on mobile and they've got a version on the Mac too. And I just really dig it. And I, I bought the update every time they came out with it and um, been real happy with it. Yep. I use it all the time. Uh, I have some regular monthly stuff I do at work that I use Solver for. But yeah, just like you said, like if you're measuring, like if you're measuring multiple things or you just need to take notes. And so, well, I love calculators and I guess, spoiler, there's another calculator in this list somewhere. It's sometimes hard like to just have the numbers and you need context. And so if this isn't making sense, like click the link in the show notes, you can see the screenshots, but you can basically write out what you're doing. And so in this, with your example of a square footage, you could write, you know, 15 feet and then like, you know, south fence and yeah. 10 feet next to garage and like have context around the calculations. And that really makes sort of thinking through what you're doing easier. And yeah, it's super brilliant. Um, Zach is a cool guy. I should say solver is actually sponsoring five fill pixels for the past right. week. Uh, that's just a coincidence, but um, I've, this is an app that I've used forever and I, I turn to it for all sorts of things. Well, I, a couple uh, points I'd add to it is it works really good in a small window, which is, which spreadsheets don't really work well in a small window, which is another way you can have it just a side on your Mac and, you know, being adding calculations to it as you're working through something, which is another reason I really like it. I will say when I added this to a li- to the list a week ago, it was under $30. I think it was $29.99. And today I'm looking and it's $34.99. So at some point... I don't know if he's doing some kind of marketing test or whatever. It's slightly over thirty dollars. I'm sorry, gang, but I will. Uh, I'll take an oath that it was under thirty bucks when I put this <laughs> on the list. So there you go. All right, uh, I'm gonna go with a read it later app as my next choice, and I'm gonna go with Good Links, which we've spoken about before. I initially had some trouble with this app, so this is a, a, a universal app. It's on Mac iPhone, iPad, etc. 
and it syncs through iCloud. You can basically save things to read later. It keeps them offline. It has a cool reader mode. I dumped like 10,000 things in this for my Instapaper <laughs> backlog, my archive, because like, well, I just want all this stuff in one place. And it really didn't like that. But in the updates since then, it's actually become much more responsive and syncs perfectly now. So uh, it has really come along. The development has been very aggressive on good links. And I've really gotten to a point where I like it better than Instapaper. I think Instapaper feels increasingly fragile. And good links is a, a one-time expense, which is really cool. It's like five bucks for using it across the platforms. And Instapaper has moved to a subscription model. So if you want to get away from something like that, but still want a native app, I mean, by native, I mean it's not a web wrapper. It also has Safari extensions. So from the Mac or iOS, you can just tap the Good Links button and it'll send whatever is in your current tab over to it. It's really nicely done, really clean, really modern looking. And it is, uh, it's on the dock on my Mac and on the home screen of my iOS devices. Does it allow you to like highlight and like review text in Good Links as well? No, it does not. So this is really a... I guess closer to something like Safari's reading list. And, but that's all that I really need. There are things that end up in dev and think that I save in good links. I'm like, Oh, I should check this out. And if I think it's a good piece of research for later, I'll, I'll dev and think it. And then there I can, you know, mark it up and do whatever. But, uh, it's really simpler than some of the, the other tools people may be used to. I as well, because we covered read it later in RSS within the last year, and I have evolved a bit on this as well. Uh, a, a pick I have for the Mac, this is one of the only good RSS readers for the Mac, is Reader with two E's. And Reader version 5 is now out. And I went ahead and bought the updates just to see what I thought. Um, as you may recall, when we did the show, I was a little worried about the unread subscription is i think 20 bucks a year which felt like a lot for an rss app but i went ahead and subscribed because i do like the way unread looks and it's been a very stable rss app for me but then i also got thinking about all the money i'm spending so i'm spending money on the yearly subscription to unread they don't have a mac app i'm spending money on feed wrangler to manage my feeds which is, you know, it's like 10 or $15 a year. And then I'm spending money on Instapaper to, to you know, use it as my read later service. And I do like the idea of highlighting and annotating in my read later service. Um, so, you know, I'm not really entirely happy with all that money and having three apps. And Reader 5 really tries to scratch all three of those itches. So with the new version, um, it has a built-in feed management service that it syncs through your iCloud account. So you don't need like a feed wrangler service. You can just pick feeds and they will all sync across all your devices. You don't need to have a third party involved. Um, Reader 5 does that for you. Have you have you tried the app since they released this new version? Yeah, I, I upgraded to it. It's what I use everywhere. And the, the iCloud sync is cool. I'm still using Feedbin because I have a lot of newsletters that I send to my RSS reader so they're not in my inbox because Feedbin has this yeah. deal where like you have a secret email address and you subscribe to newsletters using it and they show up like feed items in reader. So I haven't switched over to their own syncing, but I've heard I've heard good things. It seems like they they nailed it on the first try. Yeah, I mean, I haven't had any problems. I'm, I still have my Feed Wrangler subscription still exists. It doesn't renew for another like six months. So 
Um, I'm just kind of trying it now to see how it'll go, but it's working really good. I think I'll probably be able to cancel Feed Wrangler. And then on the back end of it, they have a read later service built into the app. So you can save to read later with a simplified view, write in reader. So then once again, you don't have to go to a third app and I could potentially cancel Instapaper. It definitely doesn't have the features that Instapaper does. And um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that side of the equation. Like Steven, I do save like later research materials to uh, DevonThink. So that's kind of the ultimate destination for this stuff. Maybe I could just cut Instapaper out. I haven't really decided what I'm going to do there yet. But this app for the Mac right now is $9.99. It's 10 bucks to have an efficient you know, RSS app on your Mac. Even if you, you're not totally sold with Reader and you want to use a different RSS app on your iPhone, uh, you can have for 10 bucks an app on your Mac that sees the same feed. Like, like when I was using Re- Feed Wrangler, I could see my re- the my feeds in Reader on the Mac and on Unread on the iPhone. So it's, it's a great app. And uh, Silvio Rizzi has been there for how many years now? 10 years, maybe? Yeah, a long time. Yeah, just continuing to work on this app and make it better. Um, there's no subscription. It is a purchase. He does still release multiple. I mean, he's to version five now, so I've paid for it now two or three times. But you know what? That's a model and it works. And uh, he's got some pretty good software. So um, I'm really thinking, I haven't really committed to it yet because I do like the way Unread renders text. Um, but I'm really thinking about just like cutting out a whole lot of noise and just doing a reader subscription and, and or just using reader to do all of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that it's sort of taken stuff on, but it, it makes sense, right? Like read it later in RSS. They're two sides of a coin almost. And so to have them in one app, I think makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. Yeah. And, and that what's happened is Devin think, which is sometimes a sponsor. So take this with a grain of salt, but they now do um, cloud kit syncing, which means the sync, to mobile devices is much more efficient and faster. So um, getting to that stuff you've saved to Devon think on your iPad is not as big of a deal as it used to be. So that suddenly makes Devon think as the read it later, you know, source more, more uh, practical. Mm-hmm. This episode of the Mac power users is brought to you by one password. Go to onepasswordcom slash MPU in all caps to get 20% off. 1Password is my trusted app to create and manage passwords for me, along with a lot of other secure data that I need in my life. 1Password doesn't only just create passwords for websites and hold passwords for apps. It also has its own secure vault where you can store confidential information that you don't want to share. It also takes a look at the websites in your 1Password vault and make sure that those haven't been compromised outside of your control. It just manages the security for me. And one of the things I like most about 1Password is the 1Password for Families product. I signed up for a 1Password for Families subscription as soon as they announced them. It's been several years now, and I just love the way my family has adapted to it. With 1Password for Families, we have shared vaults. I have one that I just share with my wife where we keep things like banking logins and secure information like that. And then I have another one that I share with the whole family, my kids included. And that has things like some of the meal delivery services and the Netflix login and all the stuff that, you know, as a family, we want to share with each other. 
I even keep the the Wi-Fi password in there so they can easily have it. And if anything changes, they can easily find it. The benefit of this has been a couple things. The first is that my wife and my kids are more religious about good password practices now that they've got this tool. I showed them how to use it, and they're adding passwords in, you know, with the app. So no longer are they using the dumb, you know, one password that we all used to use, like Pencil, to get into all the websites and exposes you to getting hacked if any of the websites that you use it on get hacked. Now they make a strong, unique password at every website because they have the tool. The other thing that is a real benefit for me is that everything is in a shared vault as needed. So the other day when one of my kids yells to me across the house, hey, what's the Netflix password? I could say, hey, it's in the vault. And I don't have to go find it. They can just open their app and get it themselves. And if I change it in six months, they'll get that updated one in their vault as well. It just kind of solves the problem. And I really like the fact that, you know, everybody's using good password habits and we don't have to like text message each other important passwords, which, you know, kind of just puts that data out there. One password is the solution. They've got a big team that's constantly working to make the software better and more powerful for you. And I love having them at my back when it comes to security. You can get a one password for families account as well. Just go to onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps, and you get 20% off, and you let them know you heard about it here on the Mac Power Users. Thank you, 1Password, for all of your support of the Mac Power Users and your amazing software. Once again, that's onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps. So uh, my next pick is a, a wallpaper app called Downlink. Uh, I first heard about this a year and a half ago or so when it was new. Uh, it's developed by uh, just a single person. It's free, so definitely under the uh, under the $30. And what this does is it's in your menu bar, and it pulls real-time satellite imagery, downloads the image, and makes it your wallpaper. And there's a couple of different View So this is from the GOES series of weather satellites. And I have mine set to see the southern, southeastern part of the U.S. So in my XDR, I can see the whole country, but Memphis, actually just the way the satellite is, is basically dead center. So I can see clouds and it's beautiful because it changes every 20 minutes. As I work into the evening, you can see darkness like come in from the right side of the screen and work its way over. And I've used it ever since it was in beta. I think I got an early build of it. And it's just a really cool wallpaper app. And so it just downloads these new images, however often you tell it to, and it gets rid of the old ones. And you have kind of this, this live wallpaper effect that you can get in Mac OS. That's a default thing where, you know, they have several ones that sort of change throughout the day. But you get it with like what's actually going on on our planet. And I, I honestly love this little Mac app. I already installed it and it's already running. Nice. <laughs> There's a good <laughs> West Coast view, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. And you know what's nice about this is so often actual space pictures are pretty poor resolution. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you go to NASA and you download a bunch of images, a lot of times, you know, because they've got to harden those cameras for space, you know, it 
it's a years long process and you're not going to get like you can go to target and buy a camera sometimes with a better sensor than what they've got that they're launching you know but um but this thing is uh these are really nice looking pictures very sharp um well, I have a wallpaper app too, but I feel like you've just outdone me. <laughs> go ahead. App. Go, it's, so I'll go you ahead know, and do it. It may not be everybody's jam. Yeah. Um, so there's one, it's got a, you know, it's, it's, we're going to put a link in the show notes because it's kind of hard to find, but it's called Wallpaper and Background App. Come on. You know, it's, so, it's a terrible name. <laughs> I know. I know, right? But what it does is it makes very stylized color images. It reminds me kind of the old, you know, cat days when Apple would have interesting wallpapers. Yeah. It's definitely got a tiger vibe to me, but you know, but it's way more flexible where you can pick, you know, it just, it picks random color schemes and it's got basic looks. Like if you want some colors at the bottom where your dock is like on iOS devices and it works for both Mac and iOS devices, or if you want like wavy colors or stripes, it's got a bunch of different looks and the developers continues to add additional looks and then you pick a look you like and just tap it until you get a color scheme you want. And they all look pretty nice. It's two bucks. You know, it's just $2. And um, I've been using it for about six months. Now I think I'm going to be using Stevens for a while. But when I get tired of it, I'll go back to this one. I, I've, I've seen a lot of wallpaper apps over the years. And usually what they are is just a collection of images already available on the web somewhere that yeah. someone's put a web wrapper on. And they're not really customized. They don't really look that good. I mean, most wallpaper apps are garbage, but this one, because it generates a custom wallpaper, they're very sharp and they're very delightful to look at. So for two bucks, you can kind of switch through your your look on your wallpapers. Yeah, uh, that's cool. And I imagine that these wallpapers like look good on iOS devices too. You could save them to the yeah, Photos app and sync they them do. over. Yeah, well, they also have a version. Oh, on, so you can just do it mobile. right on your iPad or Phone. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's exactly. cool. Because I, I tend to like rather simple iOS wallpapers. I mean, on the Mac, it's like a map, right? With clouds and stuff. It couldn't be any busier. But on yeah. iOS, because it's just a grid of icons, I tend to like either solid colors or gradients or something very simple. And so I could see yeah. this being a nice fit there. Yeah, like the way I use this on iOS is I will pick a colorful kind of busy one for my unlock screen. And then I'll take the same image and just like zoom in until it's just one solid color on that palette and make that the desktop screen on iOS. Yeah. And it looks nice, except they have one, one that's like formatted for having a dock at the bottom and I'll use the the entire wallpaper for that on the desktop. It looks nice. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, My next one is from uh, flying meat and it's called retro batch. Uh, what this is, the easiest way to think about this is that it's automator for your pictures. And so you can build these jobs uh, dealing with metadata, file size, rotation, file conversion, whatever you need to do. You can build these jobs and then dump a, a folder of images onto RetroBatch and it will process them all in bulk. And like Audio Hijack, it's all kind of built with these like drag and drop things. So you can see exactly what it's going to do and in what order. You could ha- you could put some uh, photos in there and say, I actually need two versions. Maybe I need a version for archiving. I want those to be high quality. Maybe I need a version to share online. So I want them much smaller. I want them in JPEG and not 
you know, something else. It's really cool. And anytime I shoot with my, uh, you know, sort of quote, big digital camera, uh, retro batch is something that, uh, that I will use to make sure that everything's rotated correctly. Um, any, any raw processing that I want to do that's the same across all of them you can do in retro batch. It's just really, really cool. Uh, this was in um, beta a couple of years ago, uh, but now it is out and about version 1.4 is the current version, supports Big Sur, supports Apple Silicon. It's really fast on an M1 Mac. It's just, uh, it's a really neat application if you deal with a lot of uh, photos that you need to sort of um, batch to batch process. Uh, the regular version is $29.99, so I squeezed it in. Uh, there is a pro version that's 50 bucks, but I think honestly, most people can get by with the sort of standard. Uh, but I'll, I'll leave in the show notes their page showing the differences uh, between the regular and pro version. So you can make up your mind. Uh, you know, Gus Mueller is the guy behind Flying Meat, and he is, you know, I've met him several times with the various, you know, WWDCs and things I've gone to. He is a very friendly guy and also just like wicked smart Apple developer. And particularly on the Mac, he really, I think, loves the Mac platform, supports it. And his website, Flying Meat, is one where you get really quality software at very reasonable prices. And since this is the Gus Mueller section of today's show, um, I, I have one of his apps too on my list. And um, he made a graphics app. It's called Acorn, and it's now at version six again. He's right in there. He priced it just for our show, I guess, because it's $29.99. But when you think about it, I mean, Adobe Photoshop, you have to pay a monthly subscription for um, uh, Pixelmator, which I love, is is quite a bit more for their um, for their pro version. I don't know what their standard version is these days. And But Flying Meat makes a very usable graphics app for 30 bucks. And if you just work on, you know, if you just need to do a Gaussian blur once in a while, this is probably the least expensive way to get an app on your Mac that's going to do stuff like that with little or no work made by a developer who really understands the platform and the, the app's going to be a solid player, not going to crash, and it's going to do what you ask of it. And um, Acorn, um, I actually have moved to Pixelmator because I really like the AI stuff they're doing, but you know, I used Acorn for years. A lot of the edits I did for the field guides were done in Acorn. And um, it's just a great app. And, I, you know, it's under 30 bucks. Yeah, a- Acorn is always on my list for new Mac users who, you know, maybe they were doing a little photo editing in Windows, you know, using some other application. And if you don't need Photoshop, and most people don't, this is a great alternative. There's a 14-day free trial, which is super cool. And like you said, it's just 30 bucks. It's no subscription. Uh, and you're supporting like an awesome indie developer. Gus is really great. And Acorn has been around a long time. He gets what it means to be a good Mac app. And yeah, Acorn is, uh, is just fantastic. And just like Retrobatch, it's also really fast. It uses Metal, which is Apple's like GPU acceleration layer. And and so any of the effects or filters you use, any of the editing tools you use, it's just, it's lightning quick. Yeah, I mean, a lot of bigger players in this space, like when Apple comes out with a new feature, you know, there's like meetings and committees and lots of thinking going on before they know whether they're going to adopt it 
Whereas I'm pretty sure Gus Mueller leaves WWDC, goes back to his hotel room, downloads the latest Xcode and just adds the feature. I mean, it, it just, it's there on day one and it always works but because he's such a great Mac developer. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I'm going to go uh, next to an audio tool that, uh, that I use, but kind of like Acorn, I think is a absolutely perfect alternative to a more sort of power user level tool. Like not, not everybody needs logic or audition. Uh, and this is uh, Fission by Rogue Amoeba. Uh, it is, you can download it for free and check it out. Uh, and then it to purchase it for a uh, a single Mac license, again, is $29. So I guess they got the message we were doing this. And it's great. Uh, so you can go in and you can do conversions between file formats. You can just use it to add chapters to something if you need to. Uh, you can cut out sections of audio. So I'm a little behind the scenes on Mac power users. We record the ads separately. So either before or after the show, I'll sit down, David sits down and we record our ads. You know, very often one of us will, you know, need to clear our throat or restart something. But when you're doing the full edit of the podcast, you can just do that as you edit, but the ads separately, I very often just open them in fission, take the little section I need to cut out and just, Command X, it's gone, and resave the file in in seconds. It's really, really great. Um, you also have this really cool thing of file jo- joining. So if you have more than one audio file you want in one longer file, you can just copy and paste them t- together. It's it's really great. It looks really good, as you may imagine from Rogue Amoeba. If you just have like weird little audio stuff you need to do sometimes. There's really no reason to spring for logic or pay Adobe monthly for audition if something like this can uh, can meet your needs. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm sorely tempted to even though I have a logic installation, I'm sorely tempted to try this for those ad reads and addition, uh, occasional drop-ins because logic I like to use when I make music, but every time I open it just to record myself, it's clearly not what the app was designed for. And it's like, it's like you're bringing in an 800 pound gorilla to like open a peanut butter jar, you know? And, um, it just feels like it's almost overwhelming for those projects. And, um, with all the audio stuff I'm using with my musical instruments and it, it loads, you know, it just fills memory. You know, Mm -hmm. I, um, maybe I should try this out. You know, I've never used vision. So, so you just say command, was it command X to delete selection? Yeah. Just, just like, and does it just close like in, it up afterwards? Yeah, it just stitches it together. Oh yeah, because I can do that in Logic too. But I mean, yeah, but then it's you've got such to like, a beast. Yeah, then you got to bounce it again and do all these things. And yeah. you know, in my Logic, I have basically everything that you have on for music. I have turned off, but yeah. it's still so heavy. What if all I need to do is like patch something up or just make little adjustments? I can do it way faster, and I get to use this really great looking app that is. Um, you know, Rogue Amoeba makes so many good audio apps. I think this one gets overlooked a little bit because some people use Audio Hijack for so many things. But again, if you just need a simple editor, it's a great one. Yeah, I've done that with Audio Hijack where I will record the ad. I have one of my Audio Hijack settings is what I call solo recording. It just takes my mic and saves it to a high definition audio file. And I'll just sit here and record the ad into Audio Hijack because Logic is such a beast. Mm-hmm. And then later, when I can clear out memory and things, I'll go in and um, 
edit the file in Logic. Let the record reflect Mr. Hackett just cost me $30. Because I'm sure <laughs> I'll end up buying it. All right. Um, I have one here that comes up on the show pretty regularly. But if we did a 30 for 30 show and didn't talk about Bartender, I would lose my podcasting license. Probably. Bartender um, came out, I don't know, three or four years ago. And they're now, I believe, version four? Four, I think, is the new one. Yeah. Yeah, version four. And the um, what the app does is it solves the problem we all had with the menu bar for so long. If you if you listen to MPU, you're trying out a lot of apps. It seems like all these apps want to stick something in your menu bar. And before long, you get to that point where you've got more in your menu bar than you have space for. This is particularly true if you're on a laptop. I mean, I remember sometimes I used to have to go, like Finder has a very small menu bar footprint. It only got like four words in the menu bar. So I'd have to go and open Finder so I could get to menu bar apps that were hidden behind like Microsoft Word menus. And um, Bartender solves all that for you. And the developer has really just been pouring it on the last few years with making the app better. He, uh, uh, The way it works fundamentally is you pick what's your kind of your primary menu bar and secondary. And then you can have the secondary one show up by clicking an icon in your menu bar and it exposes the rest of them. You can either have it slide to the left on the menu bar or it can open a little floating window underneath with the additional ones on so you don't have to worry about it sliding into your other you know, menu bar options. That's the feature he brought with version four, by the way. He had it originally and now it's come back. But it's just ridiculously easy to use. One of the things he did with version four is he has these virtual menu bars so you can just drag the menu bar items between you know primary to secondary or to hidden historically used to have to go through and reset those manually with like a selection in each one and every time i do a screencast for somebody i have to like remove a bunch of stuff from my menu bar and i would always use bartender for that but it was a huge pain because i had to go through each one and manually switch it where now i can just drag them it's so much easier um, he's got a beta feature right now. It's not out yet, but I'm going to be covering it at Max Barkey once it's released where he's added automation. So you can have a keyboard shortcut to activate a menu bar item, which may allow me to do, um, to create a, a software based mute button for my XLR microphone, which is just like a huge podcaster problem I've been trying to solve for years, but there's just like all these cool features he keeps adding. Um, he is not resting on his laurels. But, you know, found fundamentally, the app just does what it says on the tin. It allows you to manage the menu bar in a way that you want. And even with a big, you know, iMac or, you know, XDR screen, you still don't want all that garbage in your menu bar. And using something like Bartender, you can really manage it better. I really like just seeing the, the data that I really need in the menu bar and, you know, reducing the visual clutter. And it is now $15 to buy it. If you're a SetApp subscriber, it's part of SetApp. And uh, man, I, I give this one two thumbs up. Totally. I, I Even on my XDR, I run it. All I have visible is date, time, Siri, control center, volume, media playback, time machine. So those are all Apple ones. The only two third-party menu bar items I show are Dropbox and Carrot Weather. Everything else, one, two, I don't know, there's like a dozen things in here are behind menu bar or behind bartender, excuse me, because uh, I don't want to see them. And it's, they, and go up to it and get to them very easily. 
And again, you can customize how it all works, but I've used this since it showed up. I was so glad that it got a revision for Big Sur. My understanding is that Big Sur really changed the way this has to work. And so this wasn't any small task, but I'm so glad it was undertaken because I don't want to run a Mac without it. Yeah. Um, one of the menu bar apps I use that I really like is Fantastical. If you go into the appearance setting for Fantastical, you can have it um, display the next event and how long until the next event. And because I block schedule so much, it's great. I can always just look at my menu bar and know what, what I'm up to next. Um, there's some third-party apps for those, like Meeting Bar. Maybe I'll do a post on it in Max Sparky. But it's just, um, th- there's a lot of ways to do this. But having your next appointment in your menu bar, which you can do once you clear it out with Bartender so you don't have all the other garbage up there, I find that a very useful menu bar um, bit of text. This episode of MPU is brought to you by Indeed. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Hiring is one of those things you don't want to mess up. You need to hire great people if you want to take your entire business to the next level. And with stakes this high, there's only one choice, Indeed. And let me tell you why. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed Instant Match. Indeed searches through millions of resumes in their database, to help show you great candidates instantly. So you can do the part that you really need to do faster, meeting and hiring great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster. With Indeed, there are no long-term contracts. You can pause your account at any time, and you only pay for what you need. With Instant Match, you see a list of great candidates right away. Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. So if you want your quality shortlist and you want it fast, you need Indeed. Right now, listeners of MPU get a free $75 credit to upgrade their job posts at Indeed.com MPU. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. So get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash MPU. One last time, that's Indeed.com slash MPU. This offer is valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to Indeed for their support of the show and Relay FM. Another one I'll have, it's kind of a productivity-related one, is Tomato 2. It's a Pomodoro timer. And, you know, Pomodoro timers are the the productivity tool that everybody discovers and thinks that, you know, they're, it's always a hallelujah moment once they find Pomodoro timers. And the, the technique, I think it was an Italian guy who used a kitchen timer that looked like a tomato, and that's how it got started. But the um, it is you set a timer for a set amount of time. Um, a very common one is 25 minutes. And you say, I'm going to focus on this one problem for 25 minutes, and I'm going to give myself a five-minute break and then start again. And each round is like another Pomodoro. And because in the modern world we're so distracted and there's so many ways for the world to interrupt us, getting those 25-minute reps in can really help you be focused and get more work done. And it feels like a superpower is unlocked when you do it if you've never tried it before. Um, but you could do it with the timer on your watch. You could do it with an actual kitchen timer. 
but this uh, tomato two is a Pomodoro timer that is just really well made. And, um, you know, if, if, if getting a nice little app, it's not very expensive and putting it up on your Mac to kind of help you with that process, then this is the one I would recommend. It looks really nice too. Yeah. I mean, it's just a timer really, but I, I do like the way it does reps for you and keeps track and you can customize it. I, I usually do 50 minute reps. I'll do it like try and focus for 50 minutes and take 10 minutes off. And if I ever find myself like stuck or not getting work done, I'll, I'll resort. It's like the, in case of emergency break glass tool for productivity nerds. All right. Uh, up next for me is another customize your Mac, make it work better for you type tool. And that is Moom. Uh, this is another one that's been around a long time. M O O M Moom by the developer, uh, mini tricks. It's uh, just five bucks and it is sort of fast and simple window management. You know, Mac OS comes with all of these things to use split screen and mission control and expose and all of this stuff, but it still lacks some, some of the simpler things that maybe you find, for instance, in windows with their uh, snapping feature. And so what Moom does is it lets you very quickly put an app, uh, left, right, or center. You can also tile it really easily. It has this grid mode, so you can uh, draw basically a square or rectangle, and it forces the app into that square or rectangle. So this all kind of lives on top of what Apple does, and uh, it's fantastic. And like like Bartender, you know, anytime there's an OS release, stuff like this you have to wonder about, but they're ready for Big Sur, and they're ready for um, M1, and it's... Uh, it's fantastic. Another tool that I've used for a long, long time. Yeah. And I, I do this stuff with keyboard uh, maestro because yes. I've got it more customized, but Moom is absolutely the simple pick for this. And another feature they have, Steven didn't mention that I really like is you can set up a, a set of apps together in a certain format on your screen and save that as a template. Like on that big XDR screen, Steven, you could have like, save all your podcast apps exactly how you want them and save it as a template. And then you just press the button and it auto, you know, arranges those apps into that format whenever you press that button. Yeah, it's, it's great. And it's one of those things that like the way they did it makes so much sense. Um, and with keyboard maestro, there's um, uh, like I said, there's, there's more power there. There's also better snap tool uh, from the folks at better touch tool, but I think Moom is maybe the easiest to get started with. That's the Goldilocks, man. It's right in the middle. Because Keyboard Maestro, you have to write scripts to to make it work. Yeah. And that takes time. And uh, you can do more with them. Like you can have it, you know, select menus in the apps after they're open and things like that. But Moom has, for almost no time investment, you can very much customize it. And again, the, the app's been around forever and it just works. It I was surprised when you said it's five dollars. I I would have assumed it cost more than that. I was I was actually really surprised when I went to their website. I was like, oh, this should be more than this. You should charge more. Yeah. Um, a utility that I love, and we've we've mentioned this on the Mac Power Users before, is um, Bajango's iStat menus. Oh, so such a good one. Yeah, and people are you know mixed on this one. Some people think it's data overload. I think it's great. This is, it pairs nicely with bartender, but what it does is it puts um, a list of tools in your menu bar that shows you 
How fast are your fans going? What's the temperature? What's the status of your, you know, of your drive? How, you know, are your processors pegged? Like all the nerdy little details about your Mac that you want to know. And for, for a single license, it's 12 bucks <laughs> or for a family pack, it's 15 bucks. It's another one where I'm like, how is this only, you know, $12, you know, yeah. um, it, it started out as a, um, what was the thing when you went to the left screen, what they called widgets? What did they call those on the Mac? Dashboard. Originally? Dashboard. Yes. Started out there and, and it's kind of evolved over the years, but the, the best version is this menu bar one you buy the, the primary one from Bajango.com. Again, it's part of setup. If you're set up, you get it free with your setup subscription. And and I I put it in Bartender. I don't think I mentioned Bartender is also in setup, but uh, so I put it in Bartender. So when I activate the Bartender window, I can get the full dashboard on my Mac. And I don't need to see it there 24-7, but occasionally maybe something's running slow or my internet seems slow and I can get a lot of data very quickly with the iStat menu. Yeah. When I first got my Mac Pro, I had it running on the CPU meter. I was be like, can I make it max out? <laughs> I was like, what can yeah. I do to make this computer work hard? Um, if you weren't around for the dashboard era or you just want to relive it, I have a link in the show notes. I did this big history thing on it several years ago so you can go read about it and see screenshots and stuff it was a it was a different time i i was just talking to somebody recently i would like to see the dashboard come back but i would like to see it on my primary mac screen just like we're getting widgets on the iphone and ipad Mm, so you could like just have widgets just somewhere on your desktop yeah exactly why not have the you know carrot weather widget on the desktop of my Mac and I can put it anywhere I want. Or, you know, my OmniFocus, you know, you know, primary task list, or maybe some of my, you know, dashboard widgets from iStat menu. I just feel like the time for that has come back. And it just needs to be turned on. It doesn't need to be mandatory, but just like I would hope we're going to get something like that on the iPad. I would like to see that on my Mac as well. Yeah, it's a great We've idea. We've already got it on the iPhone, you know? Yeah, put it in everywhere, Apple. Let's do it. I mean, to, but but don't make me swipe screens. Just let me put it yeah. on my home screen. You know, I'm okay. You know, I could put it around the, the planet Earth here that Steven has just installed on my computer. <laughs> the, they could be like little barges out in the ocean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, but I just, you know, I feel like, hopefully this last year they got the message that people want to customize their stuff. Yeah. And, you know, put, and I understand I can put them on the slide over. Now the modern version of this is the slide over. It was called the today view, but I don't know what it's called on the Mac. It's weird because it combines widgets and notifications and like neither have enough room. It's not great. But I mean, what if I wanted to put my world clock right on my home screen. So I could just see any time of day, I could see what time it is in Memphis, you know? And um, so I, I just really like, um, I like it on the phone and I just want more. And I feel like the Mac would be a natural spot for us to be able to set these things on the screen. But that was a little bit of a rant. So I'll stop. No, I like it. I'm going to pick a, uh, a nerdy one here. All right. Can I get nerdy for a second? I, th- I just talked about iStat menus, man. Well, I'm going to talk about an app called Discovery. It used okay. to be called Bonjour Browser. That's what most people may remember it as. Uh, this is an app written by Lily Ballard, and it is just a single window. 
And all it does is it shows you what's on your local area network via Bonjour, which is Apple's zero config, you know, set up a printer, set up home kit, whatever. Modern Apple talk. Y- yes, but it works. Unlike, yeah, unlike Apple talk. <laughs> uh, it is really, really helpful. If you are trying to troubleshoot network stuff, especially if you help other people, like I know what's on my network. Right. But, in the before time when I had people like clients, I would go help with their stuff. Uh, like, well, why can't I find this? And maybe to some preferences couldn't find it, but maybe discovery would tell me more about it. So like right now I have it open. I can see all of the computers on here. So I could go to, uh, you know, the, uh, the Mac mini under the TV and I can see its IP address and I can see all sorts of information about it. It's one of those utilities that I don't need very often. But when I do, it is what saves the day. Told you, nerdy. Yeah, so give me an example of a problem you solved with this. Uh, so I think a printer that's not showing up in system preferences is probably the the most common one that I've used this for. You know, a printer that's supposed to support Bonjour, and for some reason you go into the preference pane, you go to add the printer, and it can't find it. Uh, this could tell you if it is actually on the network or not. And if discovery sees it and system preferences doesn't, you know, maybe you need to drop off the network and reconnect to it or restart the printer or restart the router. It's really just can be helpful in finding things that um, are supposed to (laughs) supposed to show up. It's also useful if you have uh, IP collisions. So if you have the thing where you start up your Mac, it's like, oh, this IP address was already in use or this name was already in use. It can help you chase those things down too. What about that that issue with our Macs where I'm starting to see it with one of mine where it says, oh, this is already on the network. So I'm going to name this MacBook 2, you know? Yeah, that seems to be back. That was a real big problem a few years ago. I actually noticed it on my network recently the Mac mini under our television, it's share name is called DVD. It's like, yeah. it just it kind of made me laugh because that's mostly what we use it for now. And it used to be like my home server, but now I have all my storage internal to the Mac pro. So it's basically just a, a fancy DVD player. And yeah. it was on in finder on my laptop. I was like, why is it DVD parentheses three? I was like, Oh yeah. no, it's back. It's like, I went and changed yeah. the name. Yeah, that bug seemed to have creeped back into Big Sur somewhere. I don't think it's an M1 issue. I think it's a a Big Sur issue because that Mac Mini is Intel. Well, a Discovery DNS browser. I'm I'm downloading it. I didn't know this one, so thanks. Yeah, for I've been uh, nerdy pick. I was happy to bring some nerdery to this list. Yeah, well, I I do think that like that printer problem is a great one because like you don't know whether the problem is the printer is not on the network or if it is on the network and for whatever reason it's still not connecting to your your Mac. Yeah. And that's a good piece of information to add to it. Well, um, I, I spend a lot of time with PDFs. PDF apps are actually quite expensive, but um, there are a couple that fall in the 30 and 30 range that I wanted to talk about. One of them I brought up when I talked about the paperless field guide. I, this is the one I said had no business being in the paperless field guide, but it's such an interesting app. It's called liquid text. And um, it is a PDF app made that is not supposed to, you know, simulate the real world. You know, most PDF apps want to simulate a printed piece of paper. They have a tool that looks like a highlighter. They have a tool that looks like a pen. And everything that you used to do with printed out pieces of paper, you can do digitally with a, a PDF app. And that's 
the common model. But um, uh, liquid text allows you to create virtual links between text. It allows you to carve out pieces and pull, pull them on the side and make notes on them. It's very much a digital, like it started, it's a digital premise for managing PDF files. Um, I've heard from a lot of people who bought the paperless field guide who are like in academia and uh, who are students who are really digging this app for research papers because it allows them to kind of digest them in a different way. Well, it's 30 bucks. It's free to download, but to, to get the upgraded version with all the bells and whistles, it's 29.99. So that one fits. Yeah. Yeah. Liquid text is, it's one of those apps that's hard to talk about until you download and use it. You're like, Oh goodness, this is really cool. I was at, um, WWDC years ago and some guy, strange guy just walked up to me and said, Hey, thanks so much about talking about liquid text. He was a student researcher at some university. I don't remember which one it was. And he did the research on how we like process text and came up with the idea for liquid text as a graduate paper. And then he turned it into an app and uh, it was the, it turned out to be the developer of liquid text, but he really tried to come at it from a different angle. And I, I love that when people say, okay, well, now we're on digital. How can we make it better for digital? That's cool. Yeah. You have another PDF PDF app in here that we should talk about too. Yeah, I'm going to knock two out here. Okay. Um, the other one is uh, the only one that uh, I would recommend that's under 30 bucks. And this is a more traditional one, kind of like I was talking about earlier. It's got all the highlight tools and whatnot. But PDF Viewer is it, it is a subscription at nineteen ninety nine a year, but it's it's a very good and solid app for twenty bucks. If you uh, if you're not getting what you need from Preview and you want to you know bring in something like this, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles you get with something like PDF Pen or Adobe. It doesn't have OCR, but it does have um, um, the ability to. Um, that redact and it has some of the tools, but not all of the tools, but it's very reasonably priced uh, PDF viewer. Yeah. I think it's kind of like Moom. It's the Goldilocks PDF app. If preview is not enough, but you don't need PDF pen or just want to spend less, honestly, PDF viewer is like right there in the middle. Yeah. That's good. Th- those are good, uh, good picks there. Uh, I'm going to go next with uh, a better finder rename. So this is uh, an application that, again, sort of takes what Apple has in the system and expands on it. So if you have a file or a bunch of files in Finder, you can right-click and hit rename. And those options are relatively straightforward, but it may not give you all the power uh, that you need. Um, it has some things where you can append and prepend and and those sorts of things. But if you really want to say use uh, a piece of metadata and insert that into the file name, or you want to very quickly iterate a file name, so like file one, file two, file three, something like that. Uh, if you want to build multiple steps just like we talked about retro batch a few minutes ago and have a multi-step plan to rename your files if you want to save jobs and come back to them later uh, a better finder renames up to version 11 it's uh it's the tool for you this is fantastic Uh, i used to use this a lot more i use it less now but when i my last job before relay i was at a 
advertising kind of media firm. We built websites and branding stuff for companies. And at the end of the job, I would very often need to send a client, you know, a bunch of images or a bunch of files or something. And I would use a better finder rename to make all of that organized and like structured file names and then, you know, zip them up and and send them on to the client. So it can be great for bulk renaming if you're handing things off to somebody else. That was my primary use of it, but I keep it around. I still use it today. But it is, um, it's a lot more powerful than what Finder just has built in. Yeah, I I have an interesting journey with this app because I've known it's been out there for a long time. But because I thought I was too fancy, I would write like individualized Apple scripts to do file renaming and things like that. But as a lawyer, I'm always like producing piles of documents and things to people. And I was doing a lot. My Apple scripts kept breaking. And one day, like I saw it came through my email. This was on sale or something. So I just bought it. And like within 10 minutes, I was like, I am such an idiot for not having bought this 10 years ago. I don't know what I was thinking because it is so much faster and easier to do bulk renaming. It may be an app you only need once or twice a year, but when you do have it, you're going to love it. I'm glad you added this one to the list. Yeah, it's it's definitely sort of in the Mac power users tool belt for me. Yeah, definitely. A recent one we talked about on the show, so I won't go to it in great length, is Card Hop. Um, but it is a significant improvement on the address book, especially for just like adding things and uh, manipulating and moving among your contact data. Uh, it's $19.99 in the Mac App Store. And... You know, go back and listen to the show we did recently on calendars, contacts, and tasks to get a a much more detailed description. But, you know, I I had to use, I was on my wife's computer and I had to use her contacts app the other day. And it felt like someone had tied one of my hands behind my back Mm -hmm. because I'm so used to how fast this stuff is with CardHub. The built-in contact app is definitely made for light use, I think is what I would say. It is, uh, it's not nearly as fast to do stuff as card hop is. Plus it has a fun icon. It's a sandwich with a bite taken out of it. How could you be mad? This episode of the Mac power users is brought to you by Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com slash MPU and make your next move. Enter offer code MPU at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Whether you're having a baby or starting a business, you need a presence on the internet. And you shouldn't have that presence be on somebody else's platform. Instead, you should build your own website to do that. Now, historically, the problem is nobody wants to build a website. It's expensive, it's hard to figure out, and it's got a lot of pieces to it that you don't necessarily want to manage. Squarespace takes care of all of that for you. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store or a portfolio or a blog. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace just covers it for you. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. My most important presence on the internet is Max Berkey. It's the source for my field guides and my podcasts and my thoughts on technology. It's where I publish. And years ago, I decided to move that to Squarespace. 
It's always a little scary when you're picking a platform for something so important, but I've had no problems with Squarespace. Like I said, I've been with them for years. They always support me and they keep the website going. Before that, I had tried to roll my own and the problem was I spent so much time managing it and managing it poorly. Now I don't have to worry about it. Squarespace just handles it for me and it's ridiculously affordable. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com MPU. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain and to show your support for the Mac Power users. Once again, that's squarespace.com MPU and the code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Uh, up next, I want to bring attention to an app called Rocket. If you've used Slack or Discord or other tools like that that have emoji in them, a lot of those apps you can type a colon and then start typing the name of the emoji and it will autofill to the smiley face or the thumbs up or whatever it is. And on the Mac, Emoji is a little bit harder to get to. Even with the touch bar, it's a lot of swiping. The emoji uh, input palette on macOS is not fantastic. Uh, and so what Rocket does is it, it basically, I think about it as text expander for your emoji because you can use the colon basically in any text field and start typing, get a little popover where you are, pick the emoji that you want, hit enter, and it just goes right in line. Something I use all the time, something that without this, my computer feels broken because, you know, I send some emoji. What can I say? And uh, Rocket is cool because it is a free app uh, written by Matthew Palmer. Uh, it also has uh, some some other stuff and you can buy a pro version for ten dollars. Uh, it gives you like um, some fun emoji stats. What you can see, like which emoji you use the most. Uh, you can insert GIFs and images with it. It kind of does some other stuff. But for the the emoji typing, uh, a free app that sits in your menu bar is uh, it's pretty fun. So, Stephen, which emoji do you use the most? I'm sure you have the pro version. Let's see. Let me look. I think I know what it is. But, uh, yes, it is the orange heart. That's the most... Uh, the most commonly used. What what does the orange heart mean to you? It's just like my sort of thumbs up sort of version. I like orange. Gotcha. So. Yeah, because you send that to me, I feel like you know, I feel like I'm not, I'm never going to get the red heart. I'm never going to mm-hmm. never. It, but just I'll orange. get the orange one. Just orange. Yeah. And after that, it's thumbs up, and then the little uh, guy with his head exploding. <laughs> Those are my top three. Okay. <laughs> I feel like my. Uh, Mine is probably the hang loose symbol, but I don't know. I also think that, you know, I don't discriminate. I send the red heart to everybody. So I love everybody. Yeah. Um, the the one I would use the most, though, is uh, what do you call that? Where you uh, the sticker packs, they have a special name for it. The stickers, right? The, st- the sticker from the Star Wars one with BB-8 with this little um, light giving the thumbs up. Yes. That is by far the one I use the most. That is a good one. Yeah. All right. Now, this is a cool app. Um, the, uh, a couple here I've got. Um, one of them, you know, since I already talked about one calculator, I'm going to talk about another one. And uh, that is PCALC. You know, um, comes up on the show quite often, but it is the most actively developed calculator in the history of mankind. 
Um, you know, they've got, um, well, you know, he has versions for Mac, iPhone, iPad, Apple TV. He's probably already working on a version for Apple augmented reality glasses. James will be there when, when that time comes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we had the developer, James Thompson, on the show a year or two ago. A wonderful guy with many funny stories from the times he worked at Apple. Um, but the bottom line is it's just a it's just a killer calculator. I have a there's a there's a young man in my family who's getting ready to start engineering school and I turned him on to PCALC and he wrote me back. He's like, Oh, this is amazing. I'm gonna use this all the time in school. That's cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. But it does financial stuff, it does everything. Mm-hmm. Um it really is the calculator to get. Yeah. And uh I don't know when it got added, but uh, there is a menu bar widget with the whole little calculator in it. So you just have it, hand, yeah. you know, if you, if your work is the type of thing where you just need to quickly, like sort of a scratch calculator, the menu bar app is a great addition. Yeah. Huh, see, see what I did? I said addition talking about a calculator. Oh man, that's great. Good, right? That's great. And I love that. Like he just never stops <laughs> making it better. You know, it's like, I feel like the last time anyone at Apple worked on the Apple calculator was maybe the Mac SE, you know, it feels like <laughs> um, where this is like this thing, like he is the customization features. You can change the layout of the keyboard, like whatever it is you want to do. James has covered it and he's probably got a list of 10 more things he's going to add in the next year. I, uh, I really am a fan of these developers who kind of fall in love with their apps and do nothing but just keep making them better. One for me that has really, I feel like I've just scratched the surface of this, but is something that is, I think has a bright future ahead of it, not only as an application, but also just for me is a, this Mac app called service station. Uh, I came across this uh, first through a blog post over on six colors. And I'll have that in the show notes. A service station lets you customize the contextual menu in Finder. So you can do things like right-click on a folder and launch terminal at that location. Uh, The thing that I'm using it most for is, you know that goofy open in menu? So if you right-click on a PNG, and mine is like open with preview, Illustrator, Photoshop, Color Sync, Dev and Think. A list of like 50 apps. Yeah, Uh, You know, OCR kit, PDF Pin Pro, all these things. Very often, I only need to choose from two. I'm not going to open a PNG in Firefox. Uh, So with Service Station, you can customize what shows up there. And so instead of that, you could just say, just show me preview in Photoshop. Uh, I have this with audio files as well, just open in Audition, basically, and and, uh, Fission, and not show me all the other things that can open audio file. I don't want to open an audio file in Microsoft Edge. Uh, And so it's really cleaned that up for me. You can also use it as a way to launch scripts. It can do a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and I like this because it, it makes the everyday usability of Finder uh, a little bit better because that open with menu is basically useless. And it's been better in recent years, but in, in years past, it would like start duplicating <laughs> your applications or not show new applications you installed. You have to go troubleshoot it. I basically just ignore that open with menu now and I'm just using service station um, and it's free with a $15 in that purchase. So well underneath the $30 budget. 
Yeah, and this is a very aspirational app because you can go really deep down the rabbit hole like this. If you like to write, write Apple scripts, you can embed them into Service Station. It's just, I don't know, it it is really clever app. And um, if you tried it when it initially launched, I, I was having some stability issues, but all those are gone now. It, it just works. And so if you tried it at the beginning and you weren't sure, I would recommend go back, give it another shot. Yeah, it's been solid for me. Yeah. Um, good one. That's a good pick. Uh, what I've got here that I, I am admittedly, I think stretching the, the limitations of our, of our picks here, but drafts, you know, um, and I won't go into it in great length. We talk about it all the time, but drafts continues to be one of the best utilities on your Mac or iOS device or text, a subscription drafts is free, so you don't have to pay for it. And all the big built-in actions are probably enough for a lot of people. If you want to have custom actions and do more with it, a subscription is $29.99. So I feel like I, I technically fit within, but I just, so many times a day, I open drafts to write a quick bit of text that I'm going to put into an email or save to something else, or even, you know, put it into Microsoft Word. But just having a no frills text editor that is available to me and has all those automation tools built in, I just, I don't know what I'd do without it. Yeah, yeah drafts is a Hall of Famer for sure. Another Hall of Famer is, of course, a better touch tool. Because it turns your input devices, drag pads, mice, touch bar, the Siri Apple remote, if you want to use that, uh, turns those into triggers for automations. Uh, we talked about this in depth on MPU 532, so you can go check that that out if you want to hear more. But it is, I think especially for the touch bar, just an excellent choice because you can really customize that thing and surface tools that you want to use and and have them available to you all the time. And I know on my MacBook Pro, I've got several things. I've got some sort of funny buttons. I've got one that says the word hot dog because it made my kids laugh. But then I have uh, also have buttons to fire uh, keyboard maestro uh, macros to open folders of web pages and do various things in my system. And it is yet another of these applications it's like, I don't understand how this is only $8.50 for a standard license. <laughs> I, I don't understand. Um, you can get a lifetime license for 20 bucks. It's also part of setup. And if you, especially I think if you have a touch bar Mac and you want to get more out of it, better touch tools is totally the way to go. Yeah. But I would say that goes beyond the touch bar Mac, like anything with a trackpad, like you can have force click on the bottom left of your trackpad to move a window or, you know, change a setup. Um, and with the, any mouse setup, it's the same thing. The developer in the last year, I believe quit his job to make this a full-time thing for him. So sending a little money his way and helping support him, I think is, is great for the rest of us. Mm -hmm. I've certainly, certainly sent him plenty of money the, um, and I'm all in. And, like he just added a feature. I talked in the keyboard maestro field guide about what I call the hyper key. Brett Terpstra was the original one who had the idea for this of mapping the caps lock key to be shift command option um, control, you know, which is kind of hard to press that with, you know, it's a four finger modifier key in essence. 
And then that, if you but if you map that to caps lock, then you say caps lock plus A is equivalent of shift command option control A. And suddenly you just opened up a whole new series of keyboard shortcuts on your Mac. And historically, the way to do this was through an app called Carabiner Elements, which was very hacky. And it was very powerful and amazing. But with the most recent release of Big Sur, it's a questionable whether that's going to even be able to work anymore because yeah. of the security stuff. Um, but he figured a way to put this in Better Touch Tool. So you can create your own hyper key in Better Touch Tool. I just did a blog post about it. We'll put a link in the show notes. And um, and a bunch of people have got on board with this. I, I even got an email from uh, Jason Snell saying, oh, man, this is a game changer for me. Because all of a sudden, you've got all these additional um, uh, keyboard shortcuts. And uh, and that's just one more benefit from this, what is it, $10 app? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's awesome Crazy. how it's continued to, to be developed. And yeah, things like the HyperKey make so much sense in this context. So I, I also was yeah. really glad to see that addition. And I think Jason's right. It, it is a game changer. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Pingdom. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content is or your marketing may be, they're going to bounce if your website is loading too slowly. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues are affecting your visitors' experiences so you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on the browser, device, and platform they're using. So you want to identify how visitors are experiencing your website so you can make informed optimizations and deliver great performance to those who matter most. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, so it's built to scale. That means you can monitor millions of page views without compromising your historical data or breaking the bank in the process. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a free 30-day trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code MPU at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of Mac Power users. Okay, um, one that is a, a new app. Well, actually, let me, I'm going to save that one for last. Uh, Deliveries is another one. This is a subscription app, but it's just five bucks a year. People get it. I think a lot of people get it on their phones. And it's the app that very easily tracks deliveries for you. So if you've got an Amazon purchase or something fun coming from Apple, it'll tell you where it is. You can watch it leave China and make its way. I never understood this. Uh, I'm not a navigator. It goes to, goes to Alaska, then it goes to like the East Coast, and then it comes to me. Don't know why it has to go all there first, but whatever. Um, but you see all that stuff in deliveries and their Mac app, it, the Mac is where they started. They were another dashboard, um, you know, a little widget app that they had that they've turned it into a business. And for five bucks a year, you can track all your packages and it looks great on the Mac. Yeah. I've got it on the Mac and my iPhone. Uh, this is another app where the widget's really nice. I, on my phone, I don't have the icon on a home screen, but I have the widget in the today view. And if I don't yeah. have anything coming, it just says you have no local deliveries. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's awesome. And it works with, I think, any shipping 
company I've ever come across, including like weird yeah. ones for work stuff. It's great. And I, I think that this app being a subscription, you know, some people weren't uh, in love with that, that move, but I think the developers done a good job at, at migrating to it. And I was happy to pay for it because I use it. I use it all the time. And it's one of those things that, yeah, like you can just keep the emails around and like click the links or make bookmarks. But like why? Like just you, you can stick it on this app and it can just tell you when things are on the way. So it's awesome. And like the logic of the app recognizes the number format. So like if I recently, I, I just copied a DHL number off the website and put it in the app and and delivery's like, oh, this looks like a DHL number. Is this DHL? You know, it's just like it it, yeah. it figured it out for me. And um, and I, it's definitely worth five bucks a year to have that. And you can like get the full notifications on your watch and go like all the way down the rabbit hole with this stuff if you want. But you know, they have a nice Mac app. Uh so I've got uh, a couple more what I would call menu bar utilities that that basically just live uh live there. One is old and one is new. Uh, so I'm going to start with the old one. Uh, it's called Mountain. And like you look at the website, you think this may not work. It does still work. Still works for me. I use it. Uh, I use it to this day. And what this does is it gives you a menu bar item to mount and eject volumes. And so if you have a machine with external drives or like me with additional internal drives, you can set up all of these rules and uh, these ways to manage those volumes. And so for instance, you can eject and then automatically remount an external volume without having to dig around for a USB cable. Uh, you can set um, auto mounting and eject rules. So say that before the system goes to sleep, uh, eject these volumes or keep this volume from automatically mounting when I start my machine up. So my internal backup drive in my tower i don't want it i don't want that mounted in finder so mountain just says hey you're not allowed to show up in finder and then carbon copy cloner can go and fetch it when it needs it and then it ejects it when it's done so lots of uh fiddly little rules and things you can set up around around this and it's been um it's been it's been great and it's like i said it, it looks it looks old uh, and I definitely sometimes worry about its future, but for now, at least it seems, uh, it seems like it's still working. I feel like this app is like cross some sort of divide where even though it looks old, it's going to outlast maybe every other app we talked about today. Cause every <laughs> time I thought it was going to die, it just kept working. Mm-hmm. I want to partner it with a relatively newcomer. Uh, and this is version two of air buddy, um, written by Guy Rambo. This is a utility that lets you manage AirPods and Apple's other wireless headphones uh, from the menu bar. You know, Apple has this like built-in switching that kind of works and kind of doesn't. Uh, so with AirBuddy, you can just like open the AirPods case and you get its status and you can click on it to connect. You can also see the battery level of all of your devices um, you can set it up, uh, a, a function called magic handoff. And so you can use a magic mouse keyboard or magic trackpad across multiple machines. Cause it's like doing all this cool Bluetooth stuff. Um, and because all good nerdy utilities should have stats, uh, it has stats. So you can see 
how much time you spent listening to your uh, AirPods or AirPods Pro or whatever it may be. And uh, that's really helpful if you think like the battery is starting to go out on your AirPods. Like I'm starting to suspect my AirPods 2 are definitely getting uh, less battery life than they used to. I can actually look in the stats and say, oh, yeah, this is uh, this is dropping. Um, and Guy is really working on this and uh, adding more features to it. There's more stuff coming um, uh, with touch bar support and some other things. But uh, Airbuddy is is a really cool little utility. Sets up in your menu bar and it just, again, makes life on the Mac a little bit easier. See, I didn't know if this was worth the trouble. I saw he came out the version two, but I was thinking that he'd largely been Sherlocked by the menu bar switching in in the you know in Big Sur. Um, is that no? I mean, is it is it that much better than the built-in stuff? I think it is. I mean, there's definitely more overlap in Big Sur than there was in previous versions of macOS. I think that's why he's working on adding these other features. But if anything, it is uh, more responsive and quicker where it overlaps with, with Apple stuff, and so I think it's I think it's totally worth a shot if you if you find yourself frustrated by Apple's management or you want some of the other things that it offers above what Apple does. Yeah, the the problem I have with Apple's stuff is sometimes it seems like it just isn't connecting, but I think I'm hitting a bit of a Bluetooth bug with my M1 MacBook where. It's just not seeing them, and I'm not sure that's necessarily the Mac's fault, or it is the Mac's fault, but it's not the software, the menu bar app's fault. Yeah, yeah there there have been reports of uh, Bluetooth issues on M1 machines. I know Mike Hurley has had some of those. Uh, they had a macOS update that was supposed to iron some of them out, but it seems like there's still some of those bugs kicking around. Yeah, um, I only have one left, but I'm going to go ahead and pick that now. And that is the app that I just continue to fall in love with this year. It's Obsidian. Um, There's no reason I should love Obsidian. It's an Electron app. I mean, I've never, like, wanted Electron apps on my Mac. But it really is a good player. I mean, it it incorporates a lot of the typical Mac, um, you know, short keyboard shortcuts. The developers are trying to make it a good Mac experience, even though it's Electron. And if you don't know what Electron is, that's like a development platform that allows you to release an app on multiple platforms so it's not necessarily a native app i guess would be the way to explain it you uh um you don't get a lot of the usual things like dictation uh tools sometimes don't work inside obsidian because it's not a native app and it doesn't know how to work in the electron window Mm -hmm. but all that being said these guys put out updates for this app like a couple a week with new features it's absolutely stable. It has a third-party plugin format now where you can add third-party plugins, and there's a bunch of third-party developers making interesting plugins for it. They're on their roadmap. They're very close to releasing mobile apps, so your data will be available on mobile. One of my big concerns about this type of personal knowledge management stuff is owning my data. And unlike every other app I've tried in this space, they have an end-to-end encryption solution, so I have my own password that encrypts my data before it goes up. It just really scratches all the itches for me. And fundamentally, it's a document-based model, so everything is just a markdown file. It's easy to write in it, and I own all the data locally on my Mac. Uh, I just, you know, I just continue. I use it all the time, all the day, every day. And 
at some point we'll do a show on it or something along those lines so I can explain further. But it ties in really nicely with all the contextual computing stuff I do because it holds and shares links very easily. Like just as an example, for a client matter, I'll have a Obsidian note with it, but in there I'll have a link to the OmniFocus project and to the website and to individual documents on my drive and all these other things that I've done where I can jump around my computer contextually using Obsidian as like the home base. And it works great. And I can even make URLs to Obsidian markdown files. So in the project on OmniFocus, if I'm in OmniFocus, I can click one button and be in the Obsidian note. So it's just, I just can't get over how much I really like this app. And I just have so much respect for the developers that have worked so hard on it. Because the first time I looked at it, I thought it was a non-starter. And, and over the course of about six months, they turned it into an absolute powerhouse. So, And it's free. That's the other thing. Yeah. If you're using it personally, it's free. If you're using it commercially, it's $50. But I think I think this qualifies for a pick because for a lot of people, like if you're a student or using for research or whatever, as I understand their license model, it's free. If you give them 25 bucks, you get in on the beta builds, which is absolutely worth it if you're a nerd. And then they have additional add-ons you can buy. Like I pay for the end-to-end encryption, but you don't have to. And uh, so it's just really, uh, it's something else. And there's a lot of apps in this space right now, and who knows where we'll stand in a year. But right now, Obsidian is is quite remarkable and absolutely fits within the parameters of 30 bucks. It's been amazing to see how quickly they've, They've iterated on it. It's really impressive. Uh, so uh, I've got three left. You somehow got way ahead of me, uh, but this will this will round us out. There. So I'll take us home. Well, I, I could take one if you need a break. <laughs> one of yours would have been on my list if you hadn't got it. Uh, okay, wh- okay. Which one do you want to take from me? The first one. Okay, I'll do it out. You go. You go, and then I'll do that one. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I will pick a uh, another markdown text app it's very different from obsidian uh but it's one that i've talked about on this show and other shows and i think it's one of those apps that either you get it and like it or you think it's really dumb that that's fine uh but it's taught by the icon factory and all it is is seven markdown documents uh they're colored so you get like yellow orange red purple blue teal and green and they there it's a free mac app markdown goodness and it syncs with iOS. It's free on the Mac. It's 20 bucks on iOS. It's a weird business model. Uh, but it has become my little scratch pad. And so as we're recording this, I'm taking my edit notes in Tot. Like, because it's just this little markdown editor that I always have with me wherever I go. Even though I have notes and craft and Devin Think and all these other tools for short little just I need it out of my brain, typed onto an electronic device. Tot has totally taken that over for me, uh, really since it came out. And I've been really happy with it. Syncs over iCloud. I've not had any issues with the sync, but it is one of those apps that it is so simple. Like if you had a sync issue, like there's no, as far as I can tell, there's like no recycling bin. Like if your document is empty, uh, your document is empty. Now, you can save backups and then restore those backups. So if you had something really important in the Mac app, you could you could save a backup and, and have it on your disk somewhere. But I haven't had any sync issues with it. Uh, I've got stuff in here that lives here all the time. And then uh, about half of the, the little dots, half the documents just rotate through. So this one, 
this MPU edit notes will be here for a few days and then it'll be gone to be replaced with something else. It's very ephemeral for me, but it's become this little scratch pad that, uh, that I really enjoy using. And it looks great. It looks really nice on the iPhone. Um, but the Mac app looks great too. I think what makes it so useful on the Mac is that it's in the menu bar and, you know, if you've got a bunch of windows on your computer and you need to get some tech somewhere, you've got to go through steps, right? You've got to load a new app or you've got to move windows to get to an existing app. It's just, there's just a degree of friction there. And to be able to click on the menu bar and just start typing, there is an advantage to that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. Even if you look at it as a temporary holding place and because it's free on the Mac, if you just want that scratch pad on your Mac, you can get into this one for free. You don't have to sync it over to your Mm -hmm. Phone and, and pay for the mobile app. It's kind of like what Apple's stickies could have been if they ever brought it to iOS, but they never did. And so if you were like a stickies user, but now in the mobile world, you want stuff that syncs, Tot's a good alternative. Yeah. So the one I'm stealing from you mm-hmm. um, is Trip Mode. I mean, yeah. it's just such a great app. It's an app that I wish Apple would Sherlock. Um, but the problem that it solves is when you're on your laptop and you're and you're um, pairing with your iPhone to get internet or you're connected to some sort of, you know, wireless device, um, your Mac isn't smart enough to get that it's pulling the internet from a data limited cellular connection as opposed to like Wi-Fi. And so like, this has happened to me with like, we'll, we'll record a show and the shows we record, the audio files are massive because we do them lossless. And then like I pull a laptop out and, you didn't connect to my iPhone when I'm out in the road. And suddenly I use up my monthly data cap because it's syncing all that stuff over to my laptop, even though I didn't want it to via Dropbox. So you can, with trip mode, you can say, Hey, when I go on a cellular connection, don't use these apps. You know, Dropbox is one of the big offenders, but you know, whatever data hungry apps you've got, you can turn those off and in essence, you know, protect your data cap, but still have a wireless connection. Yeah, it's really, really handy. If you have a, a laptop that you travel with, this is a must-have. Uh, even if you're, even if it's not just, you know, tethering over cellular, but you can use it. Say you're in a hotel and the Wi-Fi is really slow, and you need something done, and you don't want your photos library churning in the background, you know, downloading the day's photos. You can just turn that off. And so, that's actually how I use it more. It is not necessarily tethering, but on limited Wi-Fi. Uh, yeah, this 100% should be part of Mac OS. And I think if they do cellular Macs in the future, they're going to have to have something like this or some sort of low data mode because the Mac just assumes that it has wide open internet and it can just do whatever it wants. And that's not true all the time. And so trip mode is, so I kind of think about it as like a little guardian, you know, protecting my network connection. Yeah, but this really isn't just for laptops. I mean, let's say, Oh, yeah, Hypothetically, we have a gl- gl- global pandemic, right? And um, hmm. suddenly you've got to make a bunch of Zoom meetings for work. And your computer is not doing well because it's got all this stuff going on in the background during your Zoom meeting. Well, with an app like Trip Mode, you could turn off all you know the photo syncing and the Dropbox and all the other stuff and just dedicate your entire you know connection to that Zoom call. And then you look better, you sound better, you don't have the usual problems. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great point. Uh, you know, back in the day, recording podcasts, people would like turn off Dropbox and stuff, and you could totally use Trip Mode for that instead of 
visiting yeah. a bunch of apps individually. And a lot of the stuff there is yeah. like the photos example, there is no switch in Mac OS to say, Hey photos, like don't do anything right now. Like just chill. And so you can just kind of yeah. force the issue with trip mode. Yeah. And that's what two computers for 20 bucks. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, rounding us out. Uh, I have unite four. Uh, th- they have also been a five twelve sponsor in-, in the past, so, um, but that is uh, not influencing my choice here. I think a lot of us have used various tools over the years to turn websites into apps on the Mac, like with sort of a wrapper around them, and a lot of those have come and gone over the year, and a lot of them were kind of cruddy. Uh, but Unite Four does a great job in making that really nice. So you give it the URL and the title. Uh, it does a really great job with icons. So it grabs like HD versions off the web and it can stylize them with backgrounds to make them fit on Catalina or Big Sur. Uh, you can turn a website into a st- uh, menu bar app, a regular app, uh, kind of whatever you need to do. And if you have this need of turning websites into into s- applications on your Mac, um, it's awesome. It even has this cool compact mode. So if you want something like Instagram as a Mac app, it sort of tricks Instagram into thinking that it's on an iPhone. <laughs> and so it loads like the, the small version. Uh, it's really cool. I use this with several websites I use uh, for work and I can just, you know, instead of going to Safari and dealing with it, I can have them either in the dock or in the applications folder and search for them and launch them. It's, um, it's like the by far the nicest take on this idea that that I've seen. Yeah, I would I would second that. I, I've used them all over the years. A lot of them were just unstable and never worked. This one is stable. It looks good, and you want to turn a website into an app. This is the app you want. Yep. All right, that's thirty. Wow, that was a lot of apps, man. <laughs> it was a lot of apps. Uh, you can find all of them. Uh, in the show notes, and uh, we re- referenced a bunch of past MPU episodes, so I've got I've got those in there too. If you want to find out yeah. more about specific things, well, so it cost me an upgrade to AirBuddy, okay, and Fission license. That was my uh, okay. that was a cost for me today. That's good. That that can that convince you to buy anything? You probably already uh, have. I them need all. to upgrade my trip mode because apparently I'm on an old version, so that's on my to do list now. Yeah, version three is out. Yeah. All right. Not so bad. Almost everything else I already was running. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you're, uh, if you're listening and you've got an app, a Mac app under 30 bucks, there's a great place you could share that with the world. And that's over at the forums with the show post for this one, 30 and 30, which will go up when the show releases. You can find that over at um, talk.macpowerusers.com. We are the Mac power users. You can find us at relay.fm slash MPU. The show list just keeps growing, gang. We'd love to have you uh, subscribe and, and keep up with us every week. Thank you to our sponsors, 1Password, Indeed, Squarespace, and Pingdom. We'll see you next time.